Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss philosophy, faith, leadership, nonprofits, and a host of social issues. We want to add value and understanding the dignity and freedom of human beings. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Monday. It is the Humanity Matters podcast where we seek to discuss things regarding to faith, nonprofit leadership, social issues, all that good stuff. My desire is that through the discussion of ideas, uh, we can seek to grow together as human beings and flourish together as free human beings. So I hope everybody is having a great start to their week. Uh, I just wanted to take this time uh, for once and to share some personal thoughts about this quarantine, this whole thing that's been going on with COVID. So I appreciate a a hi or what's up, or if you got a a comment or anything like that, just put it in the comment section and I will be glad to get with you. Uh, I will also be posting this on my podcast. So I will be deleting this video. So if you miss any part of it, uh, you can jump over to the Humanity Matters podcast. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere you listen to good old um, podcasts. So thanks for Anchor for helping out with that and my sponsors as well. So general thoughts. And the reason I wanted to do this, because I spent a lot of time really just looking at information uh, that has come out, obviously, from Washington and Uh, Our state, great state of Arkansas, the natural state, uh, and just sought to give people uh, information on what is going on, try to be as uh, objective as possible and just present the information. There was time to time I gave some uh, editorializing, uh, so on and so forth. And I'm sure if you read my uh, Facebook post at any moment, uh, you'll see some uh, reflections. But I wanted uh, to take a moment really uh, to step away from uh, my usual approach of hearing multiple sides and just really offer you my uh, raw, unfiltered thoughts about what's going on in this quarantine life. So uh, what you're going to hear is really Philip and um always keep in mind that whoever I am uh, speaking with, uh, whoever is interacting here, uh, I want you to know that you matter as a human being, uh, that you are unique, that you are remarkable, that you are unrepeatable, and that will never change. Uh, Firmly believe our humanity matters. And so regardless of uh, your ethnicity, regardless of what you believe about God or whether there is a God, however you vote, uh, wherever you come from, national origin, um, all of that is uh, 
brought under for me this understanding that we are men and women and children made in the image and likeness of God and that you matter from conception till uh, the time you leave this natural earth. So I just want you to know that as we are going forward and always echoing in the back of my mind is to remember to to be love, to be kind and to be uh, generous. But I will uh, be probably a little bit more forceful. Uh, a lot of conviction that will be coming out of uh, tonight. And I would just hope uh, you would be patient with me, uh, demonstrate some grace to me um, as just giving my thoughts. So Corona virus or the novel COVID-19 uh, virus. Um, overall, I have been uh, pretty uh, perplexed about our response to this. I have been uh, perplexed about how uh, we have, as a nation, uh, responded to uh, this virus. And um, I have been perplexed about how uh, our leaders have responded. I have been perplexed about how everyday citizens have responded. Uh, I have been perplexed about how media reports it. Uh, I have been uh, shocked in some cases, um, kind of like, wow, did they say that? Did they just do that? Um, you know, just like, wow, this, this brings out people. One of the things uh, I have learned uh, especially from a faith perspective, uh, is that suffering reveals a lot about us. All right. Uh, I've learned that from a faith perspective. I've learned that uh, in the military. I have learned that just reading uh, historical uh, works, uh, different points in history. Uh, Martin Luther King said that the true measure of a man or a woman is where they stand, how they respond in moments of uh, controversy. And I have been uh, overall kind of just taken back. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty hopeful person for anybody that knows, like, you know, pretty hopeful person. Uh, I want to uh, see uh, people uh, take their skills and their talents and use them not only to better themselves, but also uh, help other people. I believe that given the opportunity, uh, we as people can do some amazing things. That's what I firmly uh, believe. But uh, that's been challenged lately. Um, overall, I am completely dismayed at the activity of our government. Let me be quite honest with you. I think they're going too far. I live in Arkansas. Uh, my birthplace is Kentucky. And I grew up there till I was 10. And then my family, we moved to Southern California. And I grew up there until I got married. And then we left by way of the military. And then we landed here in Arkansas. 13 years ago. So I have been thoroughly floored about how uh, the governor of Arkansas uh, has uh, 
taking an approach. I have been floored at how uh, California has taken an approach to this whole thing. Uh, I have been floored by some other states as well who have essentially began to walk a line that is uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, it, It borders on some really strong authoritarianism. Uh, Let's go to Washington, D.C. I have been troubled, and I've said this before, I've gone on record that President Donald J. Trump, his leadership style is a dumpster fire, quote unquote. I've said that multiple times, and I stand by that. Uh, His communication style is not the best. Um, In times like these, uh, it is very helpful Uh, for those in positions like his to be even toned and to present a sense of uh, steadiness uh, because of the 320 million people uh, that he is, uh, you know, a representative of, right? And I got it. He's put off by uh, what he would call, you know, most people call the mainstream media and I can see how he could be put off by that. I, I think um, a lot of the media, uh, the usual cast of characters, um, they are not acting like journalists. They're more like social justice advocates. This is raw and unfiltered. Um, they're doing more um, trying to advocate for a particular position or trying to do a gotcha on this president rather than asking questions so that we can all get Uh, the information that is necessary for us to uh, make informed decisions. Uh, But needless to say, uh, that does not excuse his activity as usual on Twitter, you know, some of these press conferences, so on and so forth. Okay. Um, You know, he made whatever reason he made it. He last week, I believe it was, he made a very, a dumb statement and saying he can open up America. Uh, bro, you can't do that. That's not your constitutional authority. But at the same time, what these governors have done, that's not their constitutional authority as well. Um, so overall, I am uh, really taken back at how governors, our president, and this is across parties, Republican, Democrat, Uh, who have felt as if um, they have to take these extreme um, positions, actions, in order to respond to the coronavirus. So let's get to the coronavirus, just general thoughts. Um, It's important for us to understand where this came from. It's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand that if it originated in a particular country, in a particular lab, and if other people in our country were complicit in this development, that we should understand and know that information. It has nothing to do with race. There's nothing prejudicial about that. But we should know where this came from. 
And if it came from China, it came from China. And if China is holding on to information that could have been helpful to everybody else in the world, right? Then we should know that information and then, you know, respond appropriately. There's nothing wrong with that. My problem is, is that over the last decade, we have been led to look at everything through race. Like you can't critique an idea. You cannot critique a plan. You cannot say anything because in doing so, you are looked at as prejudicial Maintaining the patriarchy, the white hegemony uh, that is existing and has been perpetrated by this American institution. And in doing so, by creating filters like that in which we look through information, it stops us from getting the accurate information to respond accordingly. But I have more to say about that soon. But all of this, this gets to my first thing, the idea of our mortality. We, and I'm speaking as an American citizen, we are having a very hard time dealing with our mortality. Once again, my wife said it this way. It seems as if we are allowing the dead to make decisions for the living where we should be living with the understanding that at some point in time, each and every one of us is going to pass away. That's just the fact of the matter. And so whether it's through uh, the coronavirus, whether it's through a heart attack, cancer, pneumonia, falling off a ladder, Taking a walk out on a beautiful day like it was today and falling on our face, every one of us has an appointment with what is called death. It's the experience of our lives. And we can put as much mitigation as possible. We can put all the mitigation in the world. But what cannot be stopped with all the planning with all the policies, with all the closures, is death. We're having a hard time facing our mortality. This is Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast, and I am just giving Uh, personal reflection on this quarantine life. It's raw and unfiltered. Hey, if you got a, uh, just want to chime in and say hi, um, do that. If you want to send me an email, send it to humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com and I will always respond to you. And I am just, uh, I have seven really ideas uh, that I'm going through and just helping me guide my thoughts and reflections. Um, And so uh, for those of you that have joined in, glad to see you and I'm going to keep driving on. And so uh, the idea of health. So 
hospitals are are primary. Let me, let me back up. So the CDC gave out some guidance, right? And apparently there's, uh, well, there, it's not apparently, there is no type elective type surgeries, okay? Um, and so you have people out here um, that are in need of some type of uh, health care in order to address a malady that they may have, all right? Uh, the priority has been those who are vulnerable, who have been impacted by uh, COVID-19 or Corona. Why I'm bothered? I'm bothered because uh, the rights of some have been prioritized over the rights of others. More specifically, the health of some have been prioritized over the health of others. Now, I hear a lot of talk about uh, universal health care, Medicare, Medicaid for all, whatever you want to call it, so on and so forth. And what I'm seeing is the government essentially saying who can receive care and who cannot receive care. That we have government institutions saying there are those who can receive care and that there are others who cannot receive care. And so that gives me echoes of socialized medicine. Socialized medicine, where a few have determined for whatever reason, right, that this group of people have the right to get medical services, but this group of people do not have the right to get medical services. Now, the question I have is this, who, who are you to say that I cannot get medical services? If I'm paying for it, all right, I got VA, so I served, I got access to VA. I'm gonna get more personal here. So my left eye, okay? It's having some diminishment in eyesight, all right? And all I was able to do was go to the optometrist. My optometrist, he was able to look at me, all right? And be able to say, well, uh, we can improve this. It'll be a 20, 30-minute procedure, right? But we can't right now because it's an elective procedure. And so my mind, I'm saying whiskey tango foxtrot. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Because I asked myself, is this? Oh, and the reason was because of the whole COVID corona thing. All right. And so I have to ask myself, why is it that this person's health or this group or person's health is more important than mine? Right. I'm not getting LASIK. I'm not trying to get, you know, Botox or anything like that. I am trying to uh, continue the quality of my my vision. Right. So I continue to to write and speak and work and more so because I just like to see colors. All right. But someone has thought that a small group of people have thought that, you know what? These people have the right to health services, but all these other people don't have a right to health services. 
So in all this talk about access to health care, right? All of this talk, all right? Access to services. Where are those services, right? Which gets... So that, 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 that angers me. That angers me because uh, it's a lot of talk. Heard, you know, you know, Sanders, Warren, Obama, you know, all those persons that support this idea of universal health care of access to all now all of a sudden you're saying well we don't want these we don't want a certain group of people that have access to all your vision is flawed the idea is flawed this corona is revealing the flaw of that belief the idea of freedom Responsibility, personal responsibility versus what responsibility do I have in my society? So I firmly believe this is my idea and I'm always willing to entertain a counter idea. But today I'm giving you my idea. My idea is this is that I am an image bearer of God. I was made in the image and likeness of God. I have capacity. I have personality. And I have skills. And accompanied with me being made in the image bearer bearer of God and you being an image bearer of God and every human being being an image bearer of God is that each and every one of us were created free. And the reason that we are created free is because we reflect a supreme personal God who is free. All right. So I'm being consistent. So there's a free God who made man and woman in his image and likeness who are free. And then we're born into this world to actualize that freedom in order to love God and love one another. All right. So with that freedom comes responsibility. I feel like I'm giving us a talk to Peter Parker, but Uncle Ben was right. With great power comes great responsibility. With freedom comes responsibility. And I have a responsibility first and foremost to me. Then I have a responsibility to my family. The five in, well, the five in my family. Then I have a responsibility to my neighbors. Then I have a responsibility to my city. And I have responsibility, so on and so forth, right? At the same time, though, my freedom here at the address I'm at, here in Conway, Arkansas, my freedom... I cannot use to take away the freedom of my neighbor next door or my neighbor on the other side of me or the neighbor across the street. The moment I use my freedom to take away another person's freedom, that is slavery. 
I'm just cutting right down to the chase. The moment I use my freedom to take away another person's freedom, that is slavery. I have a hard time with that for obviously a lot of reasons. I got some historical reasons. When people use their freedom to take away the freedoms of other persons, it's slavery. I mean, that's what it is. When you use your freedom to say where I can and cannot go, when you use your freedom to say when my business can and cannot be open, when you use your freedom to say whether or not I can get services for health, you are constricting me. And so then what is my responsibility to my neighbors? Well, one, my responsibility to my neighbor is to ensure that I use my freedom to protect their freedom because we're tied together. Our Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu uh, talked about this principle called Ubuntu. And if you follow me for any time, you've heard me talk about this before, is that we are tied together. And I cannot be who I can be unless you be who you are. And if I'm diminishing your freedom, I'm diminishing myself. And if we as a city, if we as a state go about diminishing the freedoms of other people, then effectively what we are doing is that we are enslaving one another. That's the language I'm using, raw and unfiltered, that we are in this moment participating in some level of slavery all for the public good. So let me get there. So at the very beginning of this, it was encouraged that the reason that we should do this, stay at home, quarantine, don't go out, close businesses and gyms and hairstylists and barbers and go on and so on and so forth is for the public good. Okay, I've heard that a lot used. I read a lot social justice. Uh, I read a lot, you know, historically on the use of that word, the public good. What does that mean? Because my idea of the public good is different than your idea of the public good. I have a vision of America. And I believe that you have a vision of America. I have a vision for my life and you have a vision for your life. And they're probably radically different. But the moment I say this, so I work with the homeless, okay? There is, last count, 900 and some odd homeless persons in Faulkner County. That was our homeless count from last year. We got numbers coming out soon. All right. And if I got up and said, as the elected official of, uh, of this county, all right, it's Faulkner County, and I said, for the public good, and the good of the vulnerable homeless men and women and children in Faulkner County that every house is going to take a homeless man, woman, child or family. And you're going to do this because it's for the public good. 
How would you respond? Who's right takes priority? Is it the right of the homeless person? Or is it the right of you to, you know, live in your house and have whoever you want living in your house? Tell me. But if I make the argument for the public good, all right, and then as an elected official, I make this declaration that for the public good, I'm declaring an emergency because of these 900 some odd homeless persons that each of them is going to have a house and that house you're going to provide. How would you respond? So do I have a responsibility socially? I do. I do. I have a responsibility uh, for myself, but I also have a responsibility socially. I have a responsibility to uh, the people that work with me at the organization I lead. I have a responsibility to the men, women, and children that we help on a daily basis and have continued to help through this whole thing. Um, I have a responsibility to to go out and talk to people and persuade them and say, hey, we have this going on. We have this going on right now and I need your help. I need your help to help families. I need your help to help men and women. I need your help in regards to food assistance. I need your help in regards to rent and utility assistance. And would you consider providing some type of donation? I understand what you're doing for yourself, but also would you consider, would you use your freedom to help out another person so that they can continue in their freedom as well? But the moment I come along and I say, hey, you know what? For the public good, you are going to help out these men, women, and children. And if you don't do it, I'm going to take pictures of you. I'm going to post it on Facebook. And I'm going to shame you that way. I'm going to put up a website where I can go or people can go and say, hey, I wouldn't ask for a donation from this person and they wouldn't help me. So I'm putting in their information so that we can create a list of people who didn't want to help out these poor men, women and children. So I can persuade you and and you I use my freedom of persuasion to persuade you to freely participate with me or I can force you through shame or press, I don't know, the police to cite you because you won't make a donation or even jail you because you won't make a donation. And so what is the tension? Because this is what it is. What is the tension between personal responsibility and my responsibility to society? My first and foremost responsibility is to myself and to my family. That seems hard, but it is. I love myself. How can a man love another unless he's loving himself? I cannot give out love unless there's love already existing in me. And then as I am cultivating love in myself, in my family, then I encourage my family. I encourage others and say, hey, will you be love? Will you be kind? Will you be generous to others? 
Do it in some form or fashion because there's men and women and children out there at this period of time who are in need of some type of help. So this is Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast, and I am just going on about the quarantine life uh, as a personal reflection. Uh, I'm just giving my personal and raw, unfiltered thoughts on this whole uh, situation and just going through some ideas. We've talked about mortality, uh, health and freedom regards to personal responsibility and responsibility to society. Uh, and I want to get to the state. So uh, if you followed any portion of time, um, I spent a lot of time uh, going through the bills that were coming out of Congress, you know, that led up to the, the stimulus stuff that, you know, people been getting checks for last week. And I'm sure they'll be getting uh, funds coming up, you know, that covered the PPP uh, that ran out of money and they're trying to get it uh, refunded. Um, you know, the EIDL, uh, we, you know, we picked apart, you know, these two, these different plans that was coming out of the Senate and out of the House uh, and that ultimately came in H.R. 748 that was signed by the president of the United States. So spent a lot of time seeing what the state was doing. So when I'm saying the state, I don't mean like the state of Arkansas. I'm just meaning the state. All right. The government, the federal government. Um and then also paying attention to what's happening in your state. And I encourage people, do you read the Constitution of the United States? And are you judging the actions of the Congress and the president in, 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 in regards to the Constitution of the United States? But then also, have you read the Constitution of your state that governs your governor and your state legislature? Are you familiar with that? And so in my general thoughts, I talked about how uh, the state, they doing it too much. They doing too much. Now, Philip, how can you say that? Like, you know, we're doing this so that lives are, 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 are saved. And I want lives to be saved. These are not in odds. They're not at odds with one another. We set up a false dichotomy that if I don't listen to the state, I don't care about human life. That's that. It's just that I don't understand how we arrive at that. But then I do, because, again, we don't know how to deal with our own mortality. But this the idea of the state. All right. And they doing a lot in Washington, D.C. And they doing a lot in a lot of our states. Our state, they haven't gone as far as the uh, shelter in place or stay at home. And I'm and I'm glad for that. All right. I don't agree with the shutting down of businesses. I don't agree with the shutting down of any type of businesses and these restaurants. I don't agree with the shutting down of hairstylists and barbers. I keep harping on them. Uh, I don't agree with the shutting down of gyms. I don't agree shutting down of, of schools. But then those are state run schools, right? Okay. So those state run schools, they're run by the state and the state leadership shut them down. All right. But the state comes too far when it tells a private business that, hey, you have to close your doors. 
Each businessman or woman has enough sense to look at the information that is coming to him or her and make an informed decision with himself, but also with himself or herself and his or her employees. That they can sit together and make a decision of what are we going to do? That is not necessary for the state to come in and say, you're going to close. And if you don't close, we're going to find you. I'm looking at you, California. I'm looking at you, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I'm looking at you, Kentucky. But also, I'm nervous because I wonder how far are we willing to let the state go in making decisions for us? At what point do you say, hey, you've come too far? I don't understand and this and this and this rolls into the shame thing. I don't understand how everyday Americans are like willy-nilly happy to assent to what uh, Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles said: "Of hey, if you snitch, you get a reward." Like, are we serious? That we have elected officials encouraging private citizens to report on other private citizens and they get paid with our tax dollars. But where, where this is exposed some stuff in us. And, and I'll be the first to tell you I will not go any direction in which somebody comes in and tells me where to go, what to say, where to be. My people went through that. A war was fought over that. Men looking like me hung in trees fighting against that. There was a woman who sat on a bus and said, I ain't getting up, who fought against that. There were people that gave their lives for that. And yet, so here we are saying, hey, you know what? Ah, it's going to do what we're told. Where are my woke people at? Black Lives Matter type supporters, I'm talking to you. Like, where are y'all at? Just a few years ago, you were railing against the state government and local law enforcement who were exerting too much power in most cases taking the lives of black men and black women and now all of a sudden you have nothing to say where are you at it's the same state like where is that wokeness at Which leads me to the idea of shame. The idea of shame. 
Like I said before, people are reporting on people. Across social media, people are called kindergartners. They're called, uh, quote unquote, full of shit. Uh, Men and women going out if they are wanting states to open up. I hope they get the corona first. I hope they die. This is where we're at. Shame. Condemnation. Wishing death on other people because they want to go about living their lives, going places that they want to go, making a living because they don't want to collect things like unemployment or waiting for things to open up. That there are people who want to live. But shame. I think some of us need to go back and revisit Romans chapter eight, the very first verse. So how have I changed? The importance of ideas. I have done a lot of reading and a lot of writing uh, over these past uh, few weeks. Um, I have realized that many of us have no understanding of the Constitution of the United States. We have no understanding of how the government is supposed to work. I think for many of us, we actually hold the idea that the state determines what it is for us to do, and then we seek permission. How have I changed? I realize in uh, reading on different things, I think people have situational justice. What do I mean by situational justice? I'm going to give you two examples. We're going to go back to the health thing, right? So it's been reported that blacks are disproportionately being impacted by uh, COVID. And that this is just another signal of racism here in America. Why do I call it situational justice? Because then it was reported that blacks in China were experiencing all types of discrimination, exclusion, not a peeping word. Not a peeping word. So here in America, when blacks are experiencing some type of marginalization, all of a sudden, this idea rises up. It's racism. It's a continued institutional racism disparities that are happening around among persons of color, so on and so forth. And this is why persons are dying. But as soon as it's reported in the news that black men and women of the diaspora of Africa are experiencing exclusion and racism, it's not a mumbling word. There is this idea that the quote unquote less fortunate and their well-being, all right, those who advocate for them, that 
The well-being of the less fortunate, that is the end. That is the goal. Then there's this other idea that the the well-being or the less fortunate, their well-being is not the end, but they are a means to gaining more control and power over society or the situation of the less fortunate, the vulnerable minorities. They are a means to shame society. And so I'm calling on those persons who are so shook by the disparities of health things that are going on in black men and women across America. Open up a health center. Buy a trailer, rent a building, get people together and open some type of health center to address Black men and women and their health disparities. But then also look at this, at the statistics. Because in that USA Today report that came out, all right? It can be reported, take the statistics of one state and make it like it's nationwide. And so I would encourage you to look at those numbers across all ethnic groups and across different states and see what's true and what's not. Just saying. Uh, I would I would tend to support that, Matthew. I would I would. How have I changed? Uh, More now than ever, I realize the importance of freedom and that how a lot of these government actions, who they harm a lot are men and women down the economic ladder. So if you close jobs or businesses that are hourly, if you limit the amount of hours those businesses can be open, the people that are working in those types of jobs are persons that are low middle income to low income. Persons who are in a higher income bracket, they can more weather this storm. They have money in which to pull from. But when you close businesses that are not uh, that are service oriented, that require face to face interaction. All right. What you are essentially doing, the unintended consequence of this government action going a little further than what it is, it's supposed to. All right. Is that you're harming persons, lower middle income to lower income. Whereas persons who are in higher income, persons who are more entrepreneurial and who can use Zoom and who can do business meetings through their corporations, through computers and things like that, they can continue on. They can continue to get paid. How have I changed? It's caused me to pay a lot more attention to what elected officials are doing. And one of the conclusions I've come to is this. 
elected officials use coercion or politicians use coercion and the force of law to get things done. But a leader persuades people. A leader persuades people. And I'm looking more from our elected officials to be leaders, not politicians. How have I changed? My daughter has changed me. My daughter is 18, supposed to graduate this year from Conway Public High School. All right. And she's headed to Fayetteville, study architecture. All right. And I'm still waiting on her graduation. What's the plan? I don't want to see no pictures of what you went through when you graduated high school. Like, whatever, right? What is it that she gets? There was things demanded of us in order for her to go through school. I'm demanding something back. So moving forward, um, as I close this up, and if you have a question, you can go ahead and put it down. Uh, moving forward, what I will continue to do is uh, I will, I'm going to drop back to my objective and just put out information and understand all sides, give people a voice, the opportunity, opportunity to voice uh, what it is they believe, because I like to learn. All right. Um, and the reason I do this, and this is reinforced now, is because we live in a country, all right, in which all types of ideas can be communicated. All types of ideas can be communicated. I may not agree with them, but I want to know and I want to learn. And I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be shook by the idea you present. But in presenting your idea, I will say this. I have a filter that's going through my head, in the back of my head. Are you recognizing the dignity and worth of every human being? Are you supporting the freedom of every human being? All right. Is this in accord with what is called justice and justice, meaning what each individual give gets, what is due him or her. All right. But we live in this country where ideas can be communicated and I will continue to give you my word that when you give an idea, even if it's contrary to mine, you will never be shamed. You will never be, uh, be like called dumb or idiotic or bigoted. You can come with the most like, Asian power, white power, Muslim power statement possible. And you know what I'm going to say? I'm like, okay. All right. So why do you believe that? Because I want to understand. Because those ideas and beliefs shape your behavior. And I can better understand who you are and how you arrive at particular things. Moving forward, I'm going to continue to encourage everybody. Help out people. Check on people, text, call people, see if anybody needs anything for those older persons. All right. Check on them. 
for those who are immune compromised. Like, check on them. Say, hey, you need anything? I'm just checking in on you. Do you just want to sit on the phone and talk? Maybe you can't get out like you usually do. Uh, do those things. It is vitally important that whenever we come out on the other side of this, we not lose who we are as human beings. And then we don't lose who we are as uh, citizens of this great state, this great nation, uh, United States of America. I've been a lot of places and I'm telling y'all, uh, we got it good here, for lack of a better term. Just saying. So, those are my uh, raw and unfiltered thoughts. Uh, I'm going to go back to just trying to be fair. You know, and hearing everybody and giving everybody a voice. So, hey, um, I would be remiss not to say this. Check out my nonprofit, City of Hope Outreach. That's coho58.org. All right. Uh, we're helping out with rental and utility assistance. There's a video I'll post. Uh, we're in partnership with uh, the Bethlehem House and Conway Ministry Center and United Way and Arkansas Community Foundation and am I missing anybody? CAPCA and Salvation Army and helping people uh, during this difficult time. Uh, so go to Conway Gibbs. Check that out. Make a donation as well. Any amount is awesome. Uh, we're still driving on with Hope Village. Uh, be looking out for some t-shirts, some new uh, t-shirts that'll be coming out um, and that's a, another way that you can support what we're doing in building 10 small homes, <coughs> excuse me, for men and women and families and veterans and homeless here in Conway. And I think that's it. So there that is. Um, and y'all take care. God bless and remember to be loved, to be kind, to be generous, and remember to remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So take care and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Matters Podcast. For more information, visit the website philipfletcher.org or send us an email at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, as always, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. So be love, be kind, and be generous.